Hi, my name is Kim Wilkins, and I'm a graduate student at the School of Education at the University of Virginia. I'm studying curriculum and instruction with a focus on innovation and computer science education. This series of podcast episodes is all about bringing computer science education research into the K-8 classroom. All right. Well, I'm excited to be back with a round two of bringing computer science education research to K-8 classrooms. And today I have Maggie Dijon joining me. Hello, Maggie. How are you? Hi, Kim. I'm great. Thanks for having me. And we were just talking before that we didn't really meet, but I saw you present Mm -hmm. at AERA, which is a conference that's really big, but we found you could find like niches. And what was the group that you said you were part of? So our session was uh, all people who had written a paper for a special issue on creating creating inclusive computer science environments. And it was a really fun session to be a part of. Yeah, Yeah, I really appreciate the session. Lots of different things were discussed, lots of different Mm timeframes, like they kind of went back in time and then, you know, to the present, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. And of course, what you were working on really piqued my interest, as I said in my email, because you were looking at girl coders and Mm -hmm. I'm a founder of an organization reaching out to girls in computer science, you know, getting them interested in computer science. So I was super Mm -hmm. interested in what you found there. But before we get to that, can you tell us a little, little bit about who you are? Yeah, absolutely. I am right now an associate project scientist at uh, University of California, Irvine. I work out of the Connected Learning Lab and transitioned into this role after I was a postdoc at Irvine working with Kylie Pepler. And before my current role, I received my PhD from UCLA in the urban schooling department. Uh, I was working with Noel Entity there. And uh, just, you know, so for some context for my dissertation study, I went back into the classroom and I taught middle school art. Many of the students that I taught for that dissertation study were actually former students of mine when they were in kindergarten and first grade. And then by the time I finished my PhD program, they were they were sixth graders. So and, and what I was studying there was really how their voice developed as they interacted with their peers and, and made art about social issues that were important to them. And so and before that, before um, doing kind of this like research practice thing, I was a classroom teacher. So I taught first grade for a few years, and then um, elementary school visual arts for a few years. And my background is in theater and performance studies. And I'm a mom of two young kids. So that's really important to me. too. Nice, nice. Well, the first thing I notice is that you're in art, but you're not in computer science. So at least (laughs) up up through that uh, introduction. So where and how did you get involved with computer science education research? Good question, Kim. Um, well, to the, your first point, you know how a lot of kids say, right? Like, I'm not an artist or, you know, they have, they don't have any, they don't have this like creative confidence because, you know, they maybe had an experience that was like less than desirable or they didn't, you know, they never really had an opportunity to kind of develop that. Sure, sure, sure. That was me. Kim is, Kim is <laughs> raising her hand right now. Since this is an audio only recording. And so that's, you know, how I really felt with computer science and still do to some extent, right? So I can talk some of the lingo and I'm kind of, I've kind of been become part of this community, but you know, when it comes to the details, I'm going to be honest, I'm really faking it a lot. However, I do think that, uh, and we'll talk about this more today. I do think that my understanding of the arts and kind of arts-based ways of knowing and doing and thinking can 
uh, really help create amazing spaces for reflection and you know transformation in terms of how people think about themselves in relation to a discipline such as computer science. So in response to your question, so that was just my aside as to how, <laughs> just being honest up front with how I feel about myself in relation to the discipline, but my good friend and, and colleague, uh, David DeLima, and my former advisor, uh, dissertation advisor, Noel Entity, they really believed in me and believed that maybe I had something to offer the computer science education community. <laughs> so they kind of brought me in. So yeah, I was never a STEM or a computer science kind of person, you know, as James G would say, but in college, you know, I, I somehow figured out how to not take any math courses and how to take no science course. I took one science course, an astronomy course, but, you know, I just packed the rest of my schedule with like theater and performance and literature courses. But coming, you know, full circle to the computer science community, I worked on an NSF project called uh, Debugging Failure. And the project was about how to support a culture of productive failure in the context of middle and high school computer science summer camps and after school and weekend programs. One of the main uh, points of inquiry was kind of this idea of how do we create a debugging culture through peer mentorship and how do we create opportunities for reflection within that program. And so David, who was helping to lead the project, said to me, hey, I think that art can be part of this. Uh, and so that piqued my interest. And he he gave me complete creative freedom, really, to kind of support the research project and also design and implement the curriculum as part of the study. And I know, again, we'll get to that bit a little bit later because it's kind of around the paper that we're going to discuss today. So that was kind of my fast introduction to computer science education research was like, how do you use art as a reflective tool, I suppose, in the context of computer science? And so, yeah, is, so definitely is... an outsider. And then... I'm slowly becoming an insider. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I think first of all, it's so cool to bring in art in that way. And you know, your presentation was so beautiful as well because you included artwork that the students had done, which was you know really fantastic. And just to tell you my story, so I came from computer science and didn't think I was artist because of a middle school experience actually, and then guess what? I found myself teaching in middle school. Uh, digital art because nobody else was willing to do it. I'm like, yeah, I'll explore it. I'll do it. And I thought to me, it was a way to bridge computer science skills and attract some folks who might not think that they were computer science stuff. Cause I can always, I can, you know, sneak computer science in anything, but especially digital <laughs> art, like that is so easy. Yeah. So, and I love that you had the support of folks who saw that potential, because I feel like we need to bring all sorts of interdisciplinary mm -hmm. focuses into the computer science field if we're going to ever be successful in making it appeal to a broader audience, but also to do more interesting things with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we think about, you know, like, oh, do disciplinary boundaries matter? I think they do to some extent, but also sometimes like those disciplinary boundaries can be limiting in terms of, as you're you know, saying, like, in terms of your identity, right? And how you think about yourself within what, you know, what is and is not that discipline. But I think that's fantastic that the digital art, you know, there's lots of ways that computer science and art can intersect. And, you know, this paper talks about art as kind of a reflective tool in space, but yeah, like all kinds of ways to make art with computer science or make well, computer the, the science with art. is so uh, similar. So I was sort of embraced in the art department. So I went to their department meetings and stuff. And, you know, I had never, and like the things that they were talking about, 
the experimentation, the, you know, process, like it was like, okay, this is very similar to computer science. <laughs> like we were Absolutely. talking the same language. <laughs> Absolutely. I like never, I didn't, I had no idea what debugging was even before I had done this project. And I was like, that is what you do in all context, in any context, really. <laughs> You're trying to, uh, you know, figure out the next step. Like, what do right. you do next? Right. All right. Well, let's uh, dive into this paper. So we're going to look at a paper called Dynamics of Emotion, Problem Solving, and Identity, Portraits of Three Girl Coders. And just the very first thing that I noticed is that you were actually going after uh, these coders were what you called confident coders or like they were, Mm -hmm. you know, they were passionate about this um, and you were looking at that. And I feel like so often we're looking at how do we bridge that gap between, you know, this disinterest and not an an interest, but you're looking at, you know, they're there. How did they get there? And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And that was a great benefit of, you know, working with some of the same students over the course of several years and seeing their movement into, you know, kind of claiming that identity more as their own. And I don't, I didn't know uh, these girls before the study as well as David did, but you know, the evolution of just, just like seeing anyone learn is really amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and we were also in this paper using uh, the portraiture method, which just, you know, philosophically kind of looks for the goodness of things and the goodness of an environment. And, you know, that might seem kind of like trite or, you know, like airy fairy and some, you know, oh, it's like an arts-based kind of way of knowing. So you're looking for the goodness. Where's the Where's the analysis? Where are you, you know, all of these kind of like golden rule things. But what I appreciate about the portraiture method is when you're looking, when you're mining for goodness, you can really kind of lift those things up and you can look at really successful girl coders and say like, wait, my question is like, how did it, how did this happen? How did this happen? And, you know, not claiming that we were the only reason that this happened, but, you know, this was the only space um, where they were really seriously engaging with their own coding practice and engaging as part of a, like a coding community, coding coder community that we know of. Could you kind of give us a overview of what this situation was like? Yeah. The research or the study, or can you tell me, can you just so I, sure. so I guess what was the, what was the context of the study? Sure. So the impetus for the study, right. Stemmed from David's dissertation work. Uh, I think he had a prior relationship with this uh, community learning center where we conducted it. And the question, the primary question the study revolved around was how do we create and sustain cultures of productive failure to support youth's persistence in coding, to support the development of coding skills, to support identity development. And kind of this study looked at the study, I'm sorry, the study uh, that the paper focuses on kind of looks at a particular facet of that larger NSF project in which we were kind of creating these reflective spaces within the computer science workshops and after school program and weekend program that was trying to sustain a culture of productive failure. Got it. So this was sort of a, a snapshot or a yes. narrower slice of yes. an overall project. Yeah. And what were some of the ways that you had the participants reflect and, um, you know, how did you get to do that, get them to do that, especially through art? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so it looked different over the two summers of the project. 
So there was a lot happening in after school programs and a lot happening in weekend programs um, in terms of reflection that I can't speak deeply to, but they they were journaling and doing sort of um, uh, some kind of like storytelling activities. But then over the course of each summer, um, I believe this was 2016 and 2017, I designed a curriculum, I guess, that thought about this is a really hard question, Kim, because there's just so much that went into this, the design of this. <laughs> so I think I designed a curriculum that wanted, you know, provided kind of some productive constraints, some materials that they could use, some kind of projects as guidance and ways of kind of thinking about using the tools of art making for thinking about process. So, you know, for example, we did, you know, an abstract watercolor multimedia kind of painting thing, right? And, and what we did in that particular lesson, and we did this um, a couple of times throughout the, the summer camp, we looked at other kind of abstract watercolor-like paintings. And, and we, I kind of like to use this, this strategy called visual thinking strategies, kind of my own version of it, where we're looking at a piece of artwork for a while, talking together, what do you notice? What's going on in this picture? What more can you find? And trying to, you know, I'm not going to tell you the color theory and what, you know, what we know about what does blue mean? <laughs> uh, what does it, you know, red mean? Not, not, not kind of in that like way and in that instructive way, you know, it's all stemming from students' experiences and feelings with art. That's kind of how I operate. So we, you know, make some meaning together around artwork. And then move from there into making sense of our own experiences using kind of those tools of expression that they've developed. So, you know, some of the most interesting things I'm thinking about uh, for my dissertation study, I had like GoPro cameras and for this study as well, but we had GoPro cameras at every table. So I could really like kind of understand the conversations that students were having as they were making art, mm -hmm. um, all sorts of things. But, but, but one conversation really stands out to me is like students were talking about like I think, I think green means this because, you know, it makes me feel this way and they connect that to their experience of that color. I think that, you know, orange means love because that's my mom's favorite color and that matters to me. So it's not about, you know, creating consensus around what the image actually means. It's about how it makes sense to the, the learner and how that kind of prompts conversation from there and prompts more future meaning making. So that is an example of kind of like one project. And if you look at this paper, and then also there's another paper we, we published in Teachers College Record, where we talk a little bit more about some of these, you know, design considerations that we had in mind for, for kind of constructing this space. So, you know, how do you allow uncertainty and surprise to be part of the space? How do you allow for like flexible goals to shape how students are working and engaging. So it's not just about like, oh, I coded and then I'm going to go create a, an art piece yeah, yeah. that represents that, or I'm going to do it in this, because you don't, you want it to be free and open. Yeah. Also not too open because otherwise then you don't know what to do and you right, can right. become even yeah, more. That's a, de that's a delicate uh, line. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you want to, sure. you want to offer enough and, and, you know, it, as a, as a teacher, you know, you're always going to you don't need to be you don't need to be scared that like you you aren't going to know what to do you're, you're going to mess it up you're going to reflect and you're going to say oh well next time maybe i'll do it this way yeah so some experiments that we we engaged with in this uh project was the first summer 
I taught an art class that was separate from the coding rotations that they went through during the camp. So they would go through three different kinds of like types of coding classes. Mm -hmm. And then they came to me, right? And like, that was the time that they were reflecting through art making, through the abstract watercolor, you know, kind of project, or we had a project modeled after the Dear Data, kind of a project of the cult following online Dear Data. If you, if you haven't seen it, it's really a um, cool project. Or uh, they them writing poems about lines of code that they had printed out nice. and collaged together, thinking about, you know, instances of, of success, success, failure, and everything in between during that. Yeah. So that first summer, I was a separate rotation and kind of in a separate space, actually, uh, mm. from the other coding classes. So it kind of felt like a breath of, I don't know, art, air, fresh air to them. Mm-hmm. And then the second summer, David and I kind of collaborated with a third instructor who was a computer science undergraduate major at, at USC. And the three of us taught in the same classroom together with the same group of students. So that was a really interesting, different dynamic. They kind of would seamlessly, you know, we try to like rotate between the coding practice and the art making. We take the computers off the tables, put them in the back of the classroom and roll out like butcher paper. And um, these students had, most of them had already been through the first year. So they kind of understood that we were trying to do something kind of weird mm-hmm. and they like, they went with it and they appreciated the kind of back and forth of it. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I don't know if that answered your question. No, no, that was, that was exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but broadly kind of giving a that. sense of what, what that, what it looked yeah. like from a student yeah. perspective. So one of the uh, things, you know, you're looking at the dynamics of emotions. And one of the quotes I have here is learning to code can be an intense and even visceral emotional experience. And like, absolutely. Yes. And I feel like so often when we talk about computer science or we think about computer science, it's always about the logical, you know, and that always brings up a different idea about emotion or a lack thereof. So I think it's so interesting. And I think it's a, something we should definitely be paying more attention to. What, what did you find was interesting about that? Yeah, I think opening up the space and saying, it's okay to have emotions about learning. And not only is it okay, but we're going to design for opportunities for you to think about those emotions and to reflect on that experience during, like while you're doing it, Mm -hmm. I think was really, uh, probably felt odd to some (laughs) of the students, you know, oh, wait, but you know, a hundred percent of them, the first said that they would do that, you know, 10 times out of 10 again, I forget what the exact survey question was, but it was like, they wanted to do it again. Yeah. So There was one kid who said he would have preferred to have more PE in recess, but that's okay. But he still liked it. <laughs> but fair enough, right? And one thing that I really wanted to come from this particular paper was this idea that kids are feeling things as they're learning. And it's important to design for that. And I'm I'm not the only person thinking about this, but I do think that what this work uniquely brings to that is this idea that art making, you know, can be if it's presented in a particular kind of way art making can kind of be this tool for reflection on emotion. And, you know, more broadly, just thinking about how to put like young people in positions of power and see, and also see that emotional expression doesn't need to be one particular way, right? Emotion doesn't mean that I'm so sad or so excited about something. So sometimes like a neutral emotion is a valid way of expressing yourself. Well, would, how would you summarize the research and the findings? 
I think that the, I'd summarize the research and the findings by saying that creative reflection spaces like journaling and art making and storytelling can open possibilities for learners to understand and examine the integration between these three pieces, this problem solving emotion and identity in their programming experiences. And from that separate paper that I mentioned, this kind of builds on that um, or, or looks at it from a different angle, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And from the separate paper I mentioned, we saw that art making actually supported students in describing what it was like to code through stories. And, and those stories supported students in talking about how art making shaped their coding practice and then how they saw themselves, how they set goals, how they relaxed, how they approached problem solving. And those three pieces that problem solving, emotion, identity, we saw them as really intertwined and how, you know, in, in terms of how students thought about themselves and the problem solving and the emotion. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, really, can't really do one without the other. Right, right. And I feel yeah. like often we, you know, we try to, right? We oh, try yeah, absolutely. Target one thing and, and hope somebody else will deal with the other thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of why the second summer we wanted to, that's why we did the, you know, the coding art class all as an integrated unit the second summer, the first summer, you know, they were kind of going to a separate art making space, which has its value, mm -hmm. but it kind of seen, it's like, hey, wait, I can do this anywhere. I don't need to be given permission and go to a separate space with special materials. I can do this kind of reflective thing anywhere because isn't that ultimately what we want them to do is, you know, if they are invested or interested in coding on their own or with other people to say like, hey, I'm feeling really frustrated right now. How, what do I need to do about, what do I, like, what do I need to do to help myself like push through this or, you know, take a break for a moment yeah, or that's what, what I, yeah. Or do, what, do get your mind doing something else because yeah. it gets locked in this yeah. death spiral sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. That's really cool. What are the big takeaways you hope researchers get out of this paper? Well, I think that one thing, and I'm glad you're asking this because this is the good thing to think about when we write a paper and just put it out in the world and some hope that someone reads it. I think that what I'd like researchers to think about from this paper is how um, they are in, you know, their projects or in papers or anything that they're engaging with is how they put, you know, disciplines in service or in relation to one another. And, you know, we were talking about disciplinary boundaries earlier, like maybe it's not even that important to think about disciplinary boundaries sometimes, but but the fact is like we do. <laughs> and so often, you know, art has like kind of historically been this, this vehicle for, you know, engagement or sometimes, you know, maybe not seen as like as serious as, as computer science, because it's like, well, how can we use art for computer science? How can we use art for STEM related, uh, you know, pursuits? Cause that's the thing we actually want and the art might help get them interested or, or whatever, but actually, you know, seeing art as providing a way of thinking and seeing the world and approaching problems that can be really valuable in the world of computer science. And also that it supports kind of creating these like cultural and social connections amongst youth. And I'm thinking about our end of the camp showcase, we had students display their artwork everywhere. And we were so fortunate to have this like beautiful space, lots of natural light, just artwork, you know, hanging on the walls. And I had them create, I mean, every student over the course of the camp, they were two consecutive two-week camps this first summer. They had, every student had at least 
six, if not 10 art pieces that they had created over that, just that two week period. Wow. There was just, there are hundreds of pieces and we had students come in for the showcase, had, you know, music playing and kind of some snacks and, or, you know, hors d'oeuvres, but, you know, really like chips, but we had them walk around with post-its and just like comment on other people's artwork and kind of give them guidelines for what those comments could and should look like. And most of them were like, Hey, I, I see myself in that. Right. So this art making kind of can create this sense of like shared empathy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they see like, Hey, I saw, I saw my experience in that person's art piece um, or in that artist statement that I read. And, you know, I think art making kind of can bring people together in that way to say like, Hey, I'm not alone, you know, in this context of learning to code or, or deepening my, my programming expertise or really anything. Right. So I think kind of researchers opening up the way they see how art can contribute. I'm wondering if, um, and it's not really to use the question, but just made me think, I know that sometimes it can be intimidating to show your art as it can be intimidating to share your program, but I'm wondering if the two work computer science, you know, doing coding and art together, if they, that sort of helps you feel better about it. Cause you know, doesn't something doesn't have to be perfect. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think just constant, you know, if you, you know, David had this wonderful vision for the, the program to create this and David and others, you know, to create a culture of productive failure. So it was an embed, you know, you start with that and then build up from there, both on the computer science and the art making. And I think that that is, yeah, a really powerful way of seeing it. Okay. And then what big takeaways do you hope that K-8 educators take from your research? And I know that your these this particular paper was one middle school girl and two high school girls but I still feel like it's got some relevance for k-8 educators yeah yeah and those girls who were in high school were actually in middle school in the Mm. beginning of the program right so they had just transitioned I think to to ninth or tenth grade by that time but yeah I think so the same as the same as the research question so I hope you know I hope that they see art making in different ways and multifaceted ways. And, and maybe they, you know, try it out. Like, oh, I, I, you know, I was never a visual artist. And then I was my third year teaching. They're like, hey, you want to teach visual arts? And I'm like, sure, that sounds fun. And I made a lot of mistakes early on and, and I still am making mistakes, but it's like, okay, just, you'll never know unless you try it and you try something, um, you know, operate from a sense of possibility with what you're trying to implement. But so, so thinking about how art can be multifaceted and a tool to support different things, but in this case, you know, as a reflective tool to support development in computer science. And then I think also I've been trying to think about, you know, like the pedagogy of this and the, like, what are the, I think the presentation came to at ARA, I was thinking through kind of what some of these design considerations were. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that I've constantly always had to be like, okay, wait, why was, why did this work in this way? Or like, so what was, what was on purpose? What did you do on purpose? What did you do to support that kind of experience that was effective for coders? So I think that some of the pieces that could be applicable to K-8 educators is thinking about how to inspire, you know, uncertainty and surprise. You don't always need to know the answer of the art making activity before you start it. How can you facilitate creating a calming environment? Um, You know, even when we're working in like in school, this was an after school and Mm -hmm. weekend programming, which 
these kind of out of school spaces have different feels, but how do you kind of bring some of that into the classroom too? I always, you know, as an art teacher, I was always like, okay, how can we be playing more music? How can we be facilitating conversation and interaction among students? And why is it okay for them to be talking about things that are not about the thing? So <laughs> that are not about the topic. And I know we don't always have, you know, full agency there, but but just like sprinkling some of those moments in there as an educator of like, how can I create this environment to be the kind of space that I would want to be? I'm also wondering, uh, I think, especially I'm thinking more of elementary educators, you know, I feel like they're going to be more comfortable with the arts or at least the craft mm -hmm. type space mm -hmm. and less comfortable maybe with the computer science um, part of it. And so maybe that uh, because there's such there's similarities mm -hmm. there, maybe that's another way to help get yeah. in. Yeah, I think part of it is like whatever you're teaching, like the, the experience is the thing, right? So mm -hmm. it's not about like with that art, like so you mentioned like crafts and totally cool with crafts, nothing against crafts. They're awesome. But like, what are, what's the end product? Are all your crafts trying to look the same? You know, you think of like the turkey hand. Right. That has a, a time and place. Sure, of course, but it's a craft. It's not necessarily the same as you looking at, you know, 10 students, multimedia artworks that all look different. And they're all like expressions right. of how but they that's that's very it. computer science right yeah like, yeah the when, once you give them that sort of agency and within constraints but you're still going to yeah. get 10 different projects from 10 different students from computer science yeah computer science yeah and so that's okay but 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 computer science also has the rub right of like if you don't get the right answer or if you don't have the right code in there it's not going to work right. so there is like a rightness to it that arts kind of like allows for flexibility with it. So I guess then if you frame those moments as like the computer science can be about the failure, it doesn't need to be about the project. It needs to be about the experience of the multiple failures that then led to maybe that product. Right. And, and, that, and that solution, whatever yeah, it may yeah. be, is not going to look, you know, whatever it was, you had to get that thing to work is not going to be the same for everybody either. So right. right. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, those were the big questions I had. Is there anything else that I missed or you wanted to share? I'm trying to think. I don't, I'm, I've just like really appreciated being able to, you know, reflect on some of this. I haven't thought about this work in a while. <laughs> I kind of want to find a way to get back into it. My advisor used to joke like that I had three dissertations because I had my actual dissertation, which was like, you know, art making in a classroom with sixth grade students that I described earlier. And then I worked with him on these like mixed reality interventions in classrooms where students were learning about like young students were learning about complex systems using mixed reality. And then we had this kind of like computer science and art thing that I did over the summer. So it was, I, I never feel like I was able to give myself as fully to it intellectually as I would have liked to, but I really think there's a there, there's a there there in terms of that this could be a really powerful space and way for for people to think about synergies between CS and, and art. And I think I think if this idea were kind of the center of of a conversation, I think you know there'd be just so many interesting things that would come of it. You know, if you brought arts educators and, and computer science educators together, and they're like, well, wait, what if we did it this way? And what if yeah. that's what I, I like about this kind of work? It's always like there's so much improvement that can be made. I went to uh, Carnegie Mellon used to host a conference called Art and Code. 
Mm. Uh, I went to one and it was, it was amazing. And what they said is that the artist really pushed the computer scientists because they needed tools to do this thing. And the computer mm. scientists was like, no, you can't do that. And then they, you know, the artist would go and hack something and say, here it is. <laughs> and I thought it was so cool, but they stopped doing it. So yes, I'd love to see that, that, that yeah. collision happen. Well, thank you so much for taking time with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kim. It was really nice meeting you. You too.